0: All right, you guys ready for some preaching this morning? All right, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, as we've come to this place, Lord, we pray that this would be a transformative time for us to learn from your word. Father, we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be finishing Matthew chapter 10 this morning. This is where we're at in the scriptures. So we'll be in verses uh, 40 through 42. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall no means lose his reward." Now, if you remember in the last few weeks, Jesus has been talking to his disciples all through chapter ten, and this is uh, kind of like a uh, just kind of like a what what 's going to happen to you disciples as i 'm sending you out to go and do my work. And he's setting them up as they go out to do the gospel work of how they're going to be equipped and what they're going to do and what they're going to expect. And so he kind of ends it uh, uh, with a pep talk. He started with empowering them to deliver people from demons, to be able to cure diseases. He tells them where to go. He tells them what to do when they get there. He tells them not to take any money or extra clothes. Uh, He tells them, hey, man, don't stay where you're not welcome. He tells them they're going to be persecuted as they go on their travels, that they're going to see families fighting because of this message. He encourages them that God goes with them and that they'll be taken care of because they're going out to confess the name of Jesus. This will cause division. And so he ends this pep talk with a final word, and he says, you are going out as my disciples as prophets. And if they receive you, they're receiving me. And if they don't receive you, they're not receiving me. And those who receive you as they're receiving me, they're going to receive a reward. And then there's this little part at the end that he he sets the, the bar and says, And anybody that even gives you a cup of cold water, they're going to receive a reward for what they're doing. So let's get into this. The first point I want to make this morning is to receive the Father. In verse 40, he says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives you who sent me. And Jesus is encouraging his disciples in this scripture that as they go out to do gospel work, that they're operating as emissaries of Jesus. They are an extension of Jesus. And he says... If people are going to be accepting you They're going to be accepting me Because you as you go out and you do my work You are an extension of me And so if they're accepting you They're accepting not only me They're accepting who sent me Was the Father Father God sent Jesus And so Jesus is sending them And so if they're receiving them They're receiving Jesus And by receiving Jesus they're receiving the Father And this is really the whole point of Jesus' ministry The point of Jesus' ministry Was to bring people into relationship. With Father God And so as he's sending out these disciples He's sending them out as a way to get them Connected with Father God It's the reason why John the Baptist Preached repentance The reason why John the Baptist preached repentance Is because he was trying to re- lead people back Into a relationship with God And that's why Jesus Christ came Was to lead people back into a relationship with God The reason why the disciples are being sent out Is to lead people into a relationship with God By proxy you can guess You as disciples of Jesus Christ Your job is to go and lead people into a? Fantastic. You're listening this morning. John says it this way in John 13, 22. Most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Let me give you a a real world example. For those of you that are parents or ever had parents will understand this. Especially if you had a sibling. Uh, if, If I go, or excuse me, if my kids tell the other kid what to do, there'll usually be some infighting between this, right? But if there's a problem, they'll go and they'll go and get dad. And then they'll say, dad, brother or sister is not doing this. Will you tell them to either do this or not do this? Has anybody ever seen this happen in their own house? And so the kid goes to talk to the other kid and says, Dad says you need to do this. Yeah. Usually carries a little bit more weight. Not always. Sometimes the other kid will not listen just because you said dad said. And then they'll come and get dad. And then dad will go to where that kid is and say, you know what? If I tell your brother or sister to tell you to do this, it's as if I am saying this myself. Yeah. If they say dad says, that's like law on earth. <laughs> Are you drawing the connection? Yes. This idea that the disciples are operating under the authority of Jesus is under the authority of the Father. It's not merely that the disciples are going out and saying, Hey man, it sounds like you guys should do this, or hey, why don't you guys start doing this in your life? No, when they're going out, they're actually being a mouthpiece of Father God they they're speaking on God's behalf. They're not just making stuff up as they go along. As many of you know, I was in the United States military and what some of you may not know about the United States military is that there's two divisions of people there's well actually there's three. There's junior enlisted, there's non-commissioned officers and there's commissioned officers. When you're a junior enlisted soldier, you have to, do, well, actually the way the rank works is that you have to do whatever anybody says that's a rank above you, but the non-commissioned officers that are the enlisted people, they operate under the authority of their officers. So I was a sergeant. So if there was a private and I say, man, shut your mouth, private. The reason why I could tell them to shut their mouths is because I'm a commit, a non-commissioned officer Amen. now. I am not operating under my own authority, I'm operating under the authority of my commissioned officers. And my commissioned officers can say, shut your mouth, Sergeant, you ain't in charge. And I'm like, yes sir, I'll shut my mouth, because they're in charge of me. But what a lot of people don't know is that uh, the difference between a non-commissioned officer and a commissioned officer is that a non-commissioned officer takes their authority from a commissioned officer, but a commissioned officer takes their authority from the President of the United States. They're commissioned by the President of the United States to tell people what to do. So by proxy, when there's a young private that won't stand at parade rest when they're talking to me, and I say, stand at parade rest, private, and I'm telling them to do that, it's the same as if an officer is standing there, stand at parade rest when I talk to you, private, by extension it's the same thing as if the president himself is standing to the private and saying, stand at parade rest when I talk to you, private. It's all connected. It's the way that it goes. Why do I share that with you? Is that oftentimes within Christendom, Christian people will say to people and say, you know what, man, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah, and they're not just saying it under their own authority. They're really not. And when I'm saying that, I'm saying it in a biblical sense, not just like a, hey, don't park there or "or don't eat those types of foods or whatever. I'm talking about a biblical thing that somebody says to another Christian and they say, you know, man, I probably wouldn't do that if I were you because that's not what the Bible teaches. They, by extension, are speaking as a mouthpiece of God because they're a disciple of Jesus Christ. They're not operating on their own authority. And so, if a disciple is telling somebody something, as it, it's really as if God himself is speaking based on this scripture. And to deny this and deny what a disciple is saying to you is akin to denying Jesus. Yeah. It's literally saying Jesus is not true. 1 John 2.22 Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. It really throws up on end this idea that a lot of people like to say, Well, who are you to judge? No, nobody, only God can judge me and, and we've talked about this a lot throughout the years And I think it's really an unbiblical stance That people take because they don't understand it When I as a Christian, not even as a pastor Say to you like, hey man You should not be a drunkard I, 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 I'm telling you what the Bible teaches I'm not judging you. I'm saying, you know what? The Bible says, don't be a drunkard. Jesus speaks through the Bible. And so if I tell you, don't be a drunkard, I'm not just making stuff up because I don't want you to be a drunkard. I'm telling you what the Bible says about being a drunkard. And so when you say, man, you can't judge me. You can't tell me how to live my life. You're right. Matt Crechunis has no authority to tell you how to live my, live your life. But what I do have is the authority of Jesus based on the scriptures where Jesus said, you know what? If you go out and we're jumping ahead to the end of the book, I don't need to ruin the story to you. but in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus says therefore go and teach them to obey all things that I have commanded you as disciples they're operating under a biblical authority from father God himself to go and train people what it actually means to be a Christian and that authority is not just an authority that rests on the shoulders of a pastor it's the authority that you have as a disciple of Jesus Christ. See, the problem, though, is people are so locked up in their individualism that they do not want to have anybody tell them what to do at all. It's like, you know, man, I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do, no matter what it is. Even if it's going to help me or it's going to save me, it's going to set me free, I'm not going to do it. Earlier this week, I was uh, uh, at a coffee shop um, and the the surprise, the dining room was closed. um, And so we were sitting outside. We actually drove through the drive through, got our drinks, and then we're sitting outside at the tables, uh, enjoying our drinks, having a meeting. And the way this coffee shop was set up, and because I'm an observant person, and I love people, I, I saw that people would drive up, and then they would walk past us, and then they would pull on the door, look in the window, just as we had done, uh, and, and and the sign says, dining room closed, drive through open, anyway, they would look in the window, pull on the door, walk back to their car, drive to the drive through and then usually they would drive away, they wouldn't come sit down. And I probably saw this happen about half a dozen times where I was sitting there, and so throughout our meeting, I couldn't help myself myself. People get out of their car and they would be like two steps onto the curb and I'd be mid sentence like, Hey man, it's closed. They're not serving inside. You have to get your drinks through the drive-thru and then you come sit outside. And everybody would look at me and then walk over and then pull on the door and then look in the window, read the sign and walk away. Every single one don't I'm, I'm really nice, like, hey, man, it's closed, uh, you just get your drink, get the door's locked, and then i serving inside. They'd look at me, they walk across, they pull on the door, look in the window, and then go back in their car, and they drive away. It's human nature. I don't know what, what, what vested interest do I have? Am I playing a, a diabolical game <laughs> to people in Federal federal Way, Washington, where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to sit here having coffee, I'm going to tell people the door's closed and locked. <laughs> 'Cause that's just what people do. <laughs> but people are like that, man. They got to go tug on the door themselves. Got to learn that. And it was hot. They just got to walk across and pull on the door because they just can't believe that someone would be nice enough to sh- save them the extra 15 steps of walking. And the and, and the embarrassment as I had of tugging on the door trying to wonder why it was closed. There's a sermon in there somewhere. Yeah. Christian people, have other Christian people saying things like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And people lose their ever-loving mind. How dare they tell me how to parent my children? Well, if you're doing a good job, no one would have to tell you. (laughs) Yeah. How dare they tell me how to manage my marriage? Well, people that have good marriages don't complain to other people about how their spouses are treating them how it works. And usually what what, what people are doing is actually just trying to help people out. Yeah. They actually just care enough. And, and and if you've ever been in a position, I have to do it all the time because it, it, it's kind of my job. It takes a lot of moral courage. It takes a lot of courage to actually say something to somebody because people are just going to blow up at you over the tiniest thing. And the person that's trying to share, they're just trying to help a little bit. And it's not like they just walk around and tell everybody what to do. They're just like, gosh, they usually have thought about it and prayed about it. And they had a sleepless night about it, but they love you so much that they're just like worked up the courage to come and say like man I see this about your life and I'm God I love you and I'm just trying to help you because I want your life to line up with the Bible and I want you to honor God with your life Luke 10:16, he who hears you hears me and he who rejects you rejects me he who rejects me rejects him who sent me Now specifically this pertains to the gospel message of repentance unto salvation, but the implication and application that we see further in the Bible is that another Christian disciple squaring you away is doing you a biblical favor and you should receive it. This is what Paul said to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 4.14. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. And if you read through the life of Paul and you see the life that he did, he gave up everything to go and help these churches. And some people received his message and some people rejected his message. But the Galatian church received him even as Christ Jesus to say, man, you know what, whatever I said to you, you received me as Christ Jesus. because the work that Paul was doing was from Jesus' self. And so when they received uh, Paul's teaching, they were receiving the teaching of Jesus. They took it as God's word and they changed their lives. This applies to the pastor as well. I know it's really hard to believe that I don't wake up in the morning wanting to control people's lives for my own sordid pleasure. Pastors don't do this. I mean, there's there's bad ones in the bunch, but most of us, man... We just love Jesus so much, and we want to help people to love Jesus and help people in their spiritual lives. It's why Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. They watch out for your souls. As those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. See, when a pastor or any Christian asks you to do something that is biblical and right, they're not trying to be a cult leader telling you how to live your life. When, when, when somebody comes to you and says like, hey man, you need to love that person. Yeah, they told me to forgive that person. Can you believe that? I don't know who they think they are telling me forgive people. They told me that I had to serve at this church. What kind of of controlling person asked people to serve at a church that people voluntarily attend? Now, by a show of hands, my family not included, how many of you were coerced this morning that I came to your house and pulled you out of bed by your ear and forced you to be here? Nobody. Nobody. We're all here by choice. You guys are a bunch of funny jokesters. (laughs) You know, it's funny when I ask you guys to raise your hand for something else. I didn't raise my hand. And then when it's time when you shouldn't raise your hand, people are like, I'll raise my hand. (laughs) You came here because you wanted to find God. You came here because you wanted to grow spiritually. And somehow you found out that God uses pastors and other Christians to grow you spiritually. And you said, well, I didn't sign up for that. I want want to grow with God, but I don't want other people telling me what to do. Okay, well, you've got to go back to what the scriptures say, that Jesus empowered his disciples to go out and help square other people away. And that was the plan that Jesus had. And so if you're here to grow spirits, and and you want to know God, and you have other Christians around you that are lovingly trying to push you back to God in the scriptures, you shouldn't resist it. Now, let me show you what it says in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. And this is uh, Paul talking to the Thessalonian church. I can't use my crutch of the screen behind me. I have to actually open the Bible. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord, Jesus, that you should abound more and more. It's encouraging. Just as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God. Who wouldn't want to do that? For you know for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Sounds good, right? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Apparently these people were having sex outside of marriage with people that weren't their spouse, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. It's kind of a rebuke, is it not? Yes. Now, watch what he says in verse 8. He says, Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his spirit. And so, when Paul said to the Thessalonian church, he said, You know you guys are a bunch of sexually immoral robbers. And says you need to change your life. You need to stop being fornicators. You need to stop sleeping with people that aren't your spouse. He follows up and he says, And if you reject what I'm saying, you're rejecting God himself. Paul wasn't speaking on his own authority. Paul Paul wasn't making this stuff as he went along. He was saying, you know what? We want to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to God. Quit quit trying to resist God and, and your brethren and pastors that are trying to help you grow. Because here's why most people uh, reject it. Number one, pride. That's why. I don't know why people have such a problem admitting when they're wrong. When I'm driving, my wife can attest that every single time she helps me drive correctly, I say thank you. Right, honey? Is that true? Most of the time? We have this ongoing joke. Who's ever driving likes to help the other person drive more effectively? (laughs) And I like to say when she corrects me, I always say thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. And when she drives, it's not nearly the same. That she doesn't receive my encouragement nearly as much. (laughs) But when it comes to matters of personal safety, I wish you guys could see her face. (laughs) Baby, I love you. But in matters of driving, right, when it comes to safety, if I'm going to hit somebody else or I'm going to hurt something else, I'm, I'm not going to be prideful. I'm just going to say, you know what, man, I was wrong. Here's the truth, and, it, and this comes with me in my own life. A lot of times I don't like to be corrected because it's embarrassing. I don't like being called out, man. When someone calls you out on something, it's so embarrassing. Especially if you, kn- if you knew you were doing it trying to get away with it, it's really embarrassing. But if you didn't know you were doing it and someone calls you out on it, you're just like... Dang it, dude! You are so right. That hurts. Another reason why people don't like, uh, uh, why people reject it, is biblical illiteracy. They don't know the word. If you're if you're reading your Bible and someone calls you out on something, then you're not nearly as resistant because he's like, you know, man, yeah, I've been reading that. I've just been struggling with that. I haven't got to that point yet. Instead of saying like, wait, why are you tell me how to live? Well, if you'd read, I mean, what's interesting is that you can read this whole Bible in in actually, you can leave, read it probably in 90 days if you really tried. Yeah. Without even trying, you can read it in a whole entire year. Uh, Just 10 or 15 minutes a day, you can plow through it and read the whole Bible every single year. And so you're not at a loss. I mean, you don't have to remember the genealogy of all of the book of Numbers. But at the minimum, you could, you know, understand the basic morals of Christianity. So when people come to you, you're not biblically illiterate. Some people just actually are stubborn. They just are. That's just that, that part of them hasn't gotten saved. Some people have a seared mind that are stiff-necked. Some people actually don't even have a desire to grow. Like for me, I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow in every area of my life. So if somebody's helping me in a certain way to help me grow, I'm just like, hey, man, thanks. It's going to make me better. And some people are just not converted. Some people pretend, play the pretend Christian game. And, and because they haven't been converted, they really haven't received the word of Christ. And so when tr- someone tries to correct them, they get upset because they're like, Hey, man, I'm not really a Christian yet. I just fake it because I need friends. And so when you try to correct me, I'm not going to receive it because I'm not actually trying to be like Christ. If you're truly converted, man, you just like, You know what, man? Thank you. Thank you. Help me be better. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Remember this next time you're receiving a word. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's literally like this word right now. Right now, God God himself, Father God, preaches to you through the people that preach the word of God. God himself is speaking to you through me to get into your mind. And you say, man, how come God doesn't still talk to his people? He's been talking to you for the last 15 minutes. Through his disciples, he's talking to you, trying to get you to live for him. Here's the second part. Receive a reward. See, when you receive Jesus' messages, Jesus says, you know what? You're going to receive a reward. Uh, Verse 41, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, I don't know what these rewards are, but I like free stuff. Does anybody like free stuff? Who doesn't like a reward, man? I'd rather have a reward than punishment. And so when Jesus says, hey, man, if you receive these people, you're going to receive a reward. Reward, you should be excited to receive them to receive these rewards. Now, this translation of prophet is simply a man of God. And a man of God is a man who is inspired and imparted by God himself to do the work of God on this earth. Now, some people would think of prophet and say, oh, well, that only applies to prophecy. But it's not always like that. In the Old Testament, many people got the title of and were seen as prophets, not because they, they were speaking uh, 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 foretelling, but because they were just speaking as mouthpieces of God. And so when Jesus is saying uh, who receives this prophet, I don't want you to think of it just in the sense of somebody who's got a foretelling anointing, but somebody who is actually a person that is walking with God specifically uh, uh, as their calling. Amen? Amen. In, in third John 5 and 6, it says, uh, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them forward on a journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. The Bible continually speaks well of if there are people that are doing things for God, that are sold out for God, that are doing great things for Father God, you would do well to receive what they are doing, seeing that God is using them, and then God will bless you because you are blessing the people that are doing things for God. Now, This isn't a means of manipulation that somebody can use to get you to support them. And so if somebody is is using this and saying like, hey, I'm doing God's work, and the Bible says you have to support me, no. But, it, but it's a time for you to reflect when you meet people and you see uh, what, what people are doing for God that you reflect on your own life and say, you know what, man, if I support and help this person, the Bible says I can get a reward, and so I should be inclined to want to help this person because they are doing the gospel work of Jesus. <clears throat> Let me show you a story in 2 Kings. This is a, this is a fun story. In 2 Kings chapter 4. Now I won't be able to read you all the context, but you'll you'll understand the story. It's pretty easy. Talking about the prophet Elisha. Now, when it happened one day that Elisha, <clears throat> he's a prophet of God, went to Shunem, there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And this is Elisha. Elisha's a prophet of God. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food, and she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Very simple. Elisha was a prophet. He was doing things for God. This woman sees that he's constantly passing by. And so she says to her husband, she said, you know, man, this guy's a man of God. We should do something to help him just because he's a man of God. Just because God is using him. Why don't we set up an upper room? Why don't we we go and, and, and just do what we can to help him? And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he laid down there. He was probably excited about it. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. Now in that statement, what she was saying is that, you know what, I really don't have any requests. You're asking me what I can do, what you can do for me? I'm just here, man. I see that you're a man of God, and and I'm just doing what God has put on my heart. I see that God is using you, and I don't know exactly what you're doing or how it works, but what I know is that I've got the means to give you a place to sleep, a means for you to be able to lay down your head, and that's what I can offer. I can offer you a place to sleep, and so if you're asking me, do I need anything from the king? No, I don't need anything from the king. Do I need anything from the commander of the army? Nope. I, I, I dwell among my own people. I'm, I'm just out here. This is just what I do. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi, somebody else, she didn't speak on her own behalf. Somebody else spoke on her behalf. And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So Elisha said, call her. And when he had called her, he stood in the doorway... And he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. Isn't that a beautiful story? Oh, it's so beautiful. This woman sees the man of God doing the work of God, doesn't want anything from him, doesn't want him to do anything. She just says, if this guy's doing things for God, I want to do something for him. And I'm I'm just going to do what I can do. I'm not going to do what I can't do. I'm just going to do what I can do. I can give him a room. I can give him somewhere to stay. And even when he asks me, now that you're doing something for me, what can I do for you? I'm just out here, man. I dwell among my people. I don't even need anything. But people around her saw and said, you want Elisha? She ain't going to tell you, but she doesn't have a.'" Son and she really wants a son And so then what happens She gets a son because of her faithfulness Amen See Paul promises rewards to Those who supported the ministry Hebrews 6 10 for God is not Unjust to forget your work and labor Of love which you have shown towards His name and that you have Ministered to the saints and do Minister See supporting people that do the work of God Is important gospel work and God Notices Don't think for a moment that God does not notice what you do for the gospel. Whatever it is that you do, God is noticing. Understand the concept. You're, you're, not, you're not giving to get. There, there's a big difference. It's just this concept of like, I want to support the work that God is doing. I mean, you see in Second Timothy that Paul said to bless uh, uh, the, his faithful servant for his faithful support. And we see in Matthew 16:27, it says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. We serve a God that is going to bring rewards for people that are supporting gospel work that is being done on this planet. God is watching. Don't think that he's not. Don't think that he's not paying attention. Psalm 62, 12, also you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. God pays attention, man. There's nothing that doesn't get missed by him. And so you have to ask yourself, what is Jesus going to say when I get to heaven? Will there be rewards? Because the Bible talks, like, I don't think we talk enough about rewards in heaven. I don't know. I don't know exactly what those rewards are, but they sound good. It sounds like something that I would like to take part in. It sounds like when I go to heaven, I want Jesus to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant and hand out rewards. I don't want him to kind of, you know, suck the air through his teeth and be like, glad you're here, but we don't have nearly as much. See, here's the problem within uh, American Christianity. I agree 100% that there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. I agree with that 100%. It is 100% Jesus and 100% not me. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did it all. Jesus earned it all. Jesus took care of it all. Who doesn't like to hear a message that says, Jesus saved you through no works of your own? We all love it. It's the gospel. It's, it's an exciting thing. The problem is, is that people translate the message of Jesus paid it all to I don't have to do anything. Because when a, a pastor or a preacher talks about doing the work of the gospel, they say, well, Jesus paid it all. Yeah, Jesus paid it all, but he's not going to do it all. He sent out his disciples. He didn't gather them together and say, you know what, guys? I pay, I'm going to pay it all on the cross and I don't need you guys to do anything. Don't tell anybody, don't do any work, don't help set anything up. I, I'm going to do it all on the cross. Somehow, magically, people are going to figure it out. But I don't need you guys helping me out by saying anything. I'm way more powerful than your mealy mouths going out there and ruining it. No. He said, I'm going to need your help. I need you to, going to go out there. It's an Old Testament truth that God wants us to do work. Jeremiah 17.10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, that which we support in word or deed or tangible, does not, or even as we receive people, does not go unnoticed by God. When you see someone that's doing gospel work and you say, hey man, good job, man. We're praying for you. We're excited for what God is doing in your life. God notices that. When you give somebody a couple bucks you do something for them, God notices that. Because when you receive them, it's a validation to that gospel worker what God is doing in them. It says, hey, man, you're doing the work of the Lord. Good job. I may not be doing what you're doing, but I'm receiving you as a worker of the Lord. Because we're not all called to the same work, man. We're just not. We're all called to different places. But we're all called to support people that have been sent out by Jesus to do gospel work. Here's the last part of it. In verse 42, and this this is actually an encouraging part, is that Jesus, in in verse 42, he says, and whoever gives one of these little ones, now when he's talking about little ones, he's talking about his uh, young disciples, he's not talking about children, he's not talking about children, he's talking about his young disciples, and he says, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, I say to you, he shall no means lose his reward. Now, what is Jesus saying in the scripture? It's actually very simple. At the bare minimum, if you at least would give my disciples a cup of cold water, you're not going to lose your reward. Can you do that? Can you at least give them a cup of cold water? He's not saying you need to do anything big. You need need to do anything extravagant. At the bare minimum, can you just give them a cup of water? And Jesus says, even the bare minimum, however low the bar is, this is not going to go unnoticed by me. You are not going to lose your reward at the minimum if you can at least give these people a cup of cold water. And he echoes it again in Matthew 25 when he goes around, and he talks about helping and clothing and feeding and doing all these other things. He says, you know what, you're doing these for my ch- for my little ones, for my disciples, for the ones that are going out. It's interesting in Matthew 25, it's often quoted to, uh, quoted to talk about going out and clothing the sick and, 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 and helping the, the downtrodden, and it's really not. That's not what Matthew 25 is talking about at all. The scriptures talk a lot about how we should help the poor and the needy, but Matthew 25 is not a scripture talking about helping the poor and the needy, it's, how, it's talking about helping the disciples that are going out and doing gospel work, that when you help a, a, a disciple that is doing something for Jesus, it's as if you're clothing Jesus himself, it's as if you're feeding Jesus himself, and when you go and you visit a disciple in prison for preaching the gospel of Christ, it's as if you're going to visit Jesus himself in prison. Matthew twenty five forty And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, And as much as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. See, Jesus wanted to make it so clear that we must help those who are his disciples even more. And even the little ones. Now, uh, uh, pay attention. We're getting to the end. I know you guys are getting hot. I can see it on your faces. But you're almost done. Okay? One of the uh, funny things that happens in Christianity is that when people first get saved, they get real excited. Yeah. Remember when you first got saved and you used to be excited about serving Jesus instead of the surly old Christian you are now? Remember when you were full of zeal and not knowledge? Remember that? You didn't know the word. You just knew that Jesus had done something in your life. You were going out telling people stuff that probably if you went back now, you're like, man, that wasn't in the Bible, but it was in my heart. And I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the sourest things that us old, crusty Christians do is we get around those young Christians that are so full of zeal... And we just want to bop them on the head. And we say things like, well, wait, you've been serving God for 10 or 20 years. You'll see this. And and, and why do you have to be so loud? You're embarrassing the rest of us. When really what they're doing is they're just shining a light on, on our apathy. Because we've been serving God for too long. We forgot when we were excited. Amen. Forgot when we were telling checkout people about the Jesus we met last night. Because we couldn't shut up about what he had done in our lives. And what it should do is should remind us when we see those people that are so full of zeal and excitement, instead of trying to bop them on the head and hold them back, to just give them a cup of cold water and say, "Do well, you, man? God be with you, man. I wish I had the courage to go out and invite people to church. I wish I had the courage to go out and tell people about Jesus. And I'm not going to discourage you. I'm going to encourage you. And let me buy you lunch today. Let me let me resole your shoes. Let me give you a cup of cold water because I don't want to lose my reward because I'm speaking bad against you because you got zeal and I don't Mark 9 41 for whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ I assuredly I say to you he will by no means lose his reward Hebrews 6 10 for God is not unjust forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister and how do we do this friends we want to speak well of people that are doing gospel work We want to support missionaries. We want to speak well of other pastors and other churches. Speak well of other Christians that may not know the whole entire Bible. Bless and encourage them in their work. Here's what we don't want to do is we don't want to be like the churches in Macedonia. Philippians 4.15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning the giving and receiving, but you only... We don't want to be that person. We don't want to be stingy with our words and with our water and with our wages. We don't want to do that at all. No one supported Paul from Macedonia. But what Paul knew is that rewards were there for those who did support. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once again for my necessities, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. When you bless God's people that are doing gospel work, God blesses it to your account. God blesses you for what you are doing. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 11, 24, there's one who scatters yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. We need to be generous people. We need to learn how to bless people and not keep score. We need to just say, you know what, man? The bar is set so unbelievably low. I can't do what I want to do, but I can do more than nothing to support what God is doing through this person. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given unto you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for the same measure that you use. It will be measured back to you. Friend, these are real scriptures, amen? With real direction from the Lord for us to be giving and to be generous and to support gospel work, amen? Two last scriptures, and then we'll get out of here. Well, actually, we're already out here. Proverbs 11:18. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Here's our last scripture, 2 Corinthians 9. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Amen. The word of the Lord today is very simple. God sends all of us out as his disciples and that we should receive our fellow, fellow brothers and sisters and the Lord as disciples as God himself is speaking to us. And if we do that, the Bible says that we will receive a reward. And then Jesus ends it up and says, and if you know these people and see these people, at the minimum, can you give them a cup of cold water? Because if you give them at least a cup of cold water, you're not going to lose your reward. Amen. 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 Would, you, uh, would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? if you're here this morning, before you leave, I want to encourage you to become a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, it's quite easy. You just have to make a decision and say, you know what? I'm done living for myself. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to live for Jesus. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian and I want to be set free and you want to make that decision for the very first time, We'd like to pray with you this morning. And we ask you to do it. our church, we just ask you to raise your hand See, say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision for the first time? I want you to raise your hand high this morning. We will pray with you. We ask always as well, if you've been far from God you gave your life to jesus a long time ago and you say you what, know, pastor i am no longer walking with jesus i don't know what happened but i i'm just i it's clear i'm not his disciple but you want to come back to jesus and 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 not like get some superstition sprinkle some jesus on me today and i'm going back to my old life but i'm leaving that old life and i'm coming back to jesus today this is a line in the sand this is going to be the the, the new life in christ If you want to make that decision before God today, I want you to raise your hand as well and say, that's me. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today? Now, I trust God and I know that he speaks through his word. God was speaking to every single one of us today. Where have you been resistant in your heart? Where have you not received what God was trying to speak to you through other people? Where have you not given support where you know that God has told you to give support? Repent of that today. Let let today be the day that you say, I'm not going to be that way anymore. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us today. God, let it go down into our hearts. Father, let us not leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name. Amen.